So, Father, we come to your word tonight, and I ask for your blessing. Holy Spirit, I pray that this teaching would touch those who've tuned in or those who listen to the recording maybe weeks or months or even years from now, or those who have found this on the podcast. Lord, we're asking for inspiration. We ask for your fresh touch. And Holy Spirit, illuminate your word tonight as I as I do part five on this teaching on angels, we pray for added uh, clarity and that we would come away from this uh, teaching tonight and this series just in love with God more, in love with your word, and just uh, fueled to do what you've called us to do wherever you've called us to do it. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus Appreciate those who have tuned in as of right now. Again, uh, <laughs> this, is, this is a fun thing to do, preaching to a smartphone. I got a couple of my kids in the back encouraged that we're going to have more human beings in this building sooner than later, and, um, but encouraged that you've tuned in. Um, this is part five of the Angels series. Let me just show this to the camera real quick here. This is the book that I've been getting a lot of my information from. This is called Angels by Dr. David Jeremiah. You might have heard him on the radio. Uh, He's really well known and uh, just a great writer and communicator. And I'd never honestly studied anything by him but just appreciate his life. He's faithful to the Lord and uh, just a smart guy. And so, and I've always wanted to do a series on angels. And so I got the book and, and uh, we did it. So part five. Tonight is the conclusion of the series. And I've, again, used that book for a lot of the material and not all the material, but I've uh, gone through a few theology books and studied through every instance of angel in the Bible, and I've just loved this. I hope you guys have, who've tracked with this series a bit, I hopefully you found it informative, and um, we've covered a lot. I, mean, I don't normally do five-week series. I've maybe done it two or three times, but there's just that much information on it, and And we needed something to talk about during this quarantine, so praise the Lord. Before we sign off from this series, I wanted to hit two more subjects a little more firmly. And so tonight we're going to look at the subject of the angel of the Lord. Maybe that's new to you, or maybe you've heard it and you're like, what is that? We're going to talk about that a little more. And then the increasing amount of angels that will, there will be this increasing activity as we get closer to the second coming of Christ. No one knows the day or the hour. It could be in years, decades, hundred years. Um, That's not my job to guess. We are to discern the season, but maybe our kids or grandkids or their kids will actually see that. Maybe we will. And so it's good to just have knowledge of what the Bible says about it. And so we're going to look at that specific aspect of the second coming, the the increasing amount of angels. I'm going to touch on that because I think it's worth mentioning. So again, on the notes, this is number two. 
about a fourth of the way down the page if you've got the notes. The subject and significance of the angel of the Lord. So this is in the early part of the Genesis narrative. And then all the way through to Malachi, which is the final book of the Old Testament, we see a number of times we see this phrase, the angel of the Lord. Sometimes it means just an angel appeared. I mean, just a, I I know it's silly to say, but it's just a regular angel. A regular angel appears and does something. And sometimes it's called the angel of the Lord, but sometimes the angel of the Lord, and not sometimes, many times throughout the Old Testament, it's referred to as God. And that's a really theologically interesting, an angel who is God. I mean, people were claiming to see God and it was the angel of the Lord. And so that just raises a number of conundrums. So let's look at that. A few examples. First, uh, First instance is Hagar. That was Sarai's servant. And um, the angel of the Lord in Genesis 16, 7. So this is, if you remember, Sarai sends her out because she kind of got jealous that now she has the baby that she told Abraham to have with Hagar. And now she's a little jealous, sends her away. And Hagar is feeling rejected. And the angel of the Lord appears to her. And and, uh, Hagar says... Essentially, praise God, God sees me, and this this angel of the Lord that she calls God promises to increase her descendants. And so we see this angel who's referred to as God. A little bit further on in the Genesis narrative, we see an angel. You know the story, Abraham is told to take his son and sacrifice his son, Isaac. And the angel steps in at the very last moment and says, don't do it. The Lord was testing you and you're obedient. And so no harm is to come to this child. We see right at that last second, it's the angel of the Lord that steps in and says, don't do it. And then in doing so, the angel of the Lord refers to himself as the Lord, which is interesting, promising to, he says, I'm going to bless you, Abraham, for your obedience because I'm the Lord. And so that's, it's an angel, but it's God. Interesting. And if you, if you love the types and the shadows that are found in the word of God, certainly as early on as in Genesis, we see this narrative developing of the sacrifice of an only begotten son, a promised son. And so already the gospel's coming into the Bible narrative thousands of years before Christ. There's, there's a meaning to everything in the Bible and everything in history, and it's just so beautiful to see it weave together Now, later on in Genesis, we see Jacob wrestling with this man in the middle of the night, and Jacob Jacob calls him a man. Later on, Hosea, in Hosea 12.4, says, 
That man was the angel of the Lord. You can look that up. It's on the notes. Excuse me. The angel... So it's, Jacob says, I wrestled with his man, but Hosea says, this is the angel of the Lord. This angel of the Lord renamed Jacob Israel. Very interesting. This angel of the Lord, this God-man, renames Jacob, saying, you're not going to be this deceiver and supplanter anymore. You're going to be Israel. You're going to be prince with God. You're going to have a different nature. He says that I'm going to rename you because you struggled and you wrestled with God. Interesting. Now, Moses, this is getting into Exodus. I'm not going to go through every instance, but this is four or five that is helpful. Moses sees the angel of the Lord, it says in Exodus 3, 1 to 2. He sees into the burning bush the angel of the Lord. And it's the passage that says that God speaks out of the bush to Moses. So Moses sees the angel of the Lord, and then out of that, God speaks back to him and says, I am who I am, Moses. I'm going to send you, and you're going to say to them, I am sent you, which is, of course, the name of God. That's where we get this idea of Yahweh, and in Hebrew literature, they, they wouldn't write the full name Yahweh, so they'd put Y-W-H-W, or Y-H-W-H, one of the two, because even the belief is that even, even the name of God is so holy they can't fully print it. And so Moses sees the angel, but the angel says, I'm God, I am who I am. And so Moses is just like, what? Because all of these people... They know, and it's common knowledge, you can't see God and live, so it's a terrifying thing. We see that exemplified by Manoah's wife. This is in the book of Judges. Manoah is uh, Samson's dad. And Manoah's wife, Samson's mom, encounters this angel of the Lord one day, and she, trembling, says, this angel of the Lord, I know it's God. How do I see God and live? I mean, she had this perplexing little conversation in Judges 13. And so time after time after time, we see this angel show up and people know it's God. And yet they're perplexed because they know if you see God, you die. (laughs) And so what is this angel of the Lord? Let's go down to letter B. There are many other examples. And again, I'm just repeating this. Exodus 33.20 is one of many scriptures that insists that nobody can see God and live. That's what God told Moses. Moses, I know you want to see my face. Moses says, show me your glory. And God interpreted that as, see my face. I mean, literally like, if you can see my face right now, that's what Moses wanted to see. He wanted to see the, the eyes, nose, mouth, beard. <laughs> we don't know, no one's seen his face, but Moses is like, I just want to see that face. And God says, I can show you my back, but if you see my face, you will die. And so I can't do that, which is so intense. 
I mean, God is really holy, like super holy, like the sun in the sky. You can't just walk into the sun, you, you get burnt. <laughs> and so the Lord is, you know, he, he so wants to be known, but he's so like a billion suns burning with fierce love, and it's just, he's holy. And so there's this reality, no one can see God's face and live, even, and here's the thing, when Jesus comes onto the scene in the New Testament, Jesus says in John 6, 46, he says, I'm the only person that has ever seen God. That's what he said in John 6, 46. Nobody has ever seen God except me. That's what he said, which is really intense if you think about it. Basically saying, I am God. Very a significant statement. Paul taught, Colossians 1.15, 1 Timothy 6.16, Paul taught that you cannot see God because he's invisible. He, he is unseeable. That's what Paul taught. John the Apostle said twice in his gospel, 1.18, and then in 1 John, his letter, 4.12, he said that nobody has seen God. So there's these seeming difficulties. We've got people who've seen this angel who say it's God. God say, says he can't see me and live. We've got apostles saying no one's ever seen God. Jesus even said no one's ever seen God except me. And so what we begin to discover is that all through the narrative of the Old Testament, people were seeing not the first person of the Trinity, but the second person of the Trinity. They weren't seeing the Father because no one can see the Father and live, but they were seeing someone equal to, yet distinct from, the Father. And so we developed this Trinitarian theology already looking at this subject. We see that there is someone fully God, distinct from God, and seeable unlike God. This is none other than the Son Himself. So what does that mean? Let's go to letter C. The angel of the Lord seems to be distinct from God and yet at the same time God. Again, all these people are saying, I had this encounter and I knew it was God. And, and He even told me, I'm God. This suggests, wasn't the Father, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, in his pre-incarnated state, is the person in view here. What does pre-incarnated mean? When Jesus was born, that's called the incarnation. Jesus has always existed, but about 2,000 years ago, uh, his earthly mother, Mary, birthed him. That, that's called the incarnation. He was incarnated. He was this physical human flesh that was born into the world. He's always existed, but 2,000 years ago, he was begotten, as, as the creeds say. He was begotten, not made. He's existed for eternity 2,000 years ago, begotten of the Virgin Mary, a miracle. And so before that incarnation, he's always existed and he's been appearing to people all through the biblical narrative, giving hints and 
types and shadows and all kinds of parabolic type interactions and and just to sort of introduce there is this other person that's distinct from God yet God this is really significant information we're talking about the pre-incarnated Christ the ministry of Jesus before the gospels and so some people think that Jesus started doing ministry in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The reality is not only did he create the created world by speaking it into existence, he's been actively involved every single chapter along the way in kind of this disguise called the angel of the Lord. And some people think, well, Derek, that's neat, but did you think of that? No, no, no. I, I didn't think of this. This thought that Jesus is the pre-incarnate angel of the Lord has wide acceptance among conservative scholars. All through church history, you're going to find conservative scholars who concede this point that that angel of the Lord is Jesus himself, although it is a topic shrouded in mystery and a lot of why would he do that? There's so many things that we just, we just kind of go, okay, that's, you did it and that's, we just have to figure it out. Now here's the thing, in the very last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, Malachi 3.1, this is cool. Malachi mentions, he talks about God sending a messenger, which he's talking about John the Baptist, and that that messenger is going to have a relationship with someone else called the messenger of the covenant. I'm going to just flip over to it. This is Malachi 3.1. Malachi 3.1. Again, books always jump around when you're trying to find it. It's easy. It's right before Matthew. Come on, you can do it, Derek. Okay, right before Matthew, Malachi 3.1. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. That's a reference to John the Baptist, or John the Baptist was a fulfillment of that part of it. Then it keeps going, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. So Malachi uses this phrase, messenger of the covenant. What's interesting is that the word messenger, excuse me, the word messenger and angel both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, are used almost interchangeably. In the Old Testament, it's the word malach. In the New Testament, it's the word angelos, which is like, you know, think of Los Angeles. It's similar. The Greek word for angel is angelos, and the Hebrew word is malach. So, the Old Testament, Hebrew, you see, where if it's messenger or angel, it's always the word malach, mostly. 
In the New Testament, it's always the word angelos. And so the translators had to pick, do we put messenger or do we put angel? And the translators are really, really smart people. They knew what they were doing. The reason I'm bringing that up is because the idea of the messenger of the covenant could also be translated the angel of the covenant. They are used almost interchangeably. And so we have this idea that the messenger who's going to prepare the way of the Lord is going to prepare the way of the Lord for this angel of the covenant. And this angel of the covenant is perhaps this term that bridges the angel of the Lord with this angel who's going to bring a covenant to his people. The angel of the covenant. This, again, I've written here the particular description could have been God's way of bridging the angel of the Lord with the Christ who is going to usher in this new covenant. So we have on the very last page of the Old Testament text a reference to the Christ, the messenger of the covenant, the angel of the covenant, the angel of the Lord who's going to bring about a new covenant. I think in the genius of God, he is weaving through Scripture this mysterious angel who is like God. He, it's like he isn't God, but he is God. And then when we get to the end of the Old Testament narrative, Malachi is saying he's going to bring a covenant. And we know historically the, the amount of time between Malachi and Matthew is about 400 years. That's the intertestamental period. And so Malachi is saying, when you see this man who begins to prepare the people of God, this messenger, which was John the Baptist, he is going to announce a person who's going to bring a new covenant to forgive the sins of his people and to bring fellowship between God's people and God once again. And so there's this highly significant meaning behind why God would go through the trouble to shroud himself in this identity called angel of the Lord. And I believe it's very fascinating, and I think it helps us see our way through the old covenant a little bit better. Because in studying the angel of the Lord, we basically see a little closer uh, uh, view of Jesus's purpose behind the whole storyline as it, as it kind of moves into the new covenant. Fascinating stuff. Okay, so all that said, Jesus in his pre-incarnated state was very closely involved in the unfolding biblical drama from day one. Again, he didn't start doing things in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He started at creation. I mean, he's existed for eternity. I mean, that's the historical position of the church. Jesus has existed forever, as is the Father and the Spirit. But he was the, the one that spoke, and, and planets and trees and animals came forth when he spoke in Genesis 1. And yet he didn't just leave and then show back up in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He's been highly involved through the whole story. In fact, we find out in the New Testament, there's a, there's a text that says that Isaiah 
saw Jesus with his eyes. And so there's, there's statements in the New Testament that just kind of make you wonder, what did they know and what did they see? It's just so um, neat to think about. So that's the subject and significance of the angel of the Lord. Now let's just take another quick minute and that we're going to look at the, the angels and their increasing activity as we approach Jesus' second coming. Again, these two topics are one of the main reasons I've always wanted to study into, into angels is because, man, it's cool to get a really up-close look at Jesus through the whole Bible. And there's this, there's just this like crescendo at the end of the Bible in so many ways, but one of them involves angels. Revelation 14.6, you can listen or look that up or it's on the notes, but Revelation 14.6, one of the all-time most crazy verses in the Bible. So the drama of the end of the age is in full swing. There are judgments. There is wrath. There are plagues. Thirds of the earth are under, you know, huge devastating judgments. I mean, there is just no movie that can compare. And in Revelation 14.6, This is what John says. John says, I see an angel flying in the midst of heaven. He says, I see an angel in the sky flying around, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. I highlight this one verse because I want to make this very clear. We are headed in a trajectory that is so intense. I mean, this virus that's going around the world shaking people up is like 1% of the intensity where it's really ultimately going. We are going to get to a point. I mean, this is greater. This is like 100 times greater than any Avenger movie. There is going to be literal angels flying around the sky preaching the gospel in the midst of devastating Egypt-like plagues and judgments crashing down on the earth, the church ministering in victory all over the different nations. I mean, there is going to be such an epic, conclusive, powerful witness of the church But when you see the Bible saying there's going to be angels flying around the sky preaching the gospel, you just kind of have to pause and go, it's about to get awesome. I mean, it's about to get crazy. I mean, many, many people in the body of Christ don't even believe in angels or demons. So in Revelation 14.6, we have a, a gospel-preaching angel. Now, I don't think that angels are going to replace people or Christians from preaching the gospel. I just think God's going to pull out all the stops. 
and we're going to go as far as we can to preach the gospel in every little nook and cranny on planet earth. And when the Lord says, not even that's enough, I'm going to send angels. I'm going to do everything I can to make sure every last person hears the gospel. And so some people think, well, there's angels that are preaching, and apparently the church isn't needed, so we're raptured. That is a wrong conclusion. I think it's just going to all be this big old team effort. And, and I mean, we're going to literally just see the guy fly by and just go, what in the world? But I say that because that's just really where the Bible says it's going. I mean, I'm not making this up. I'm going through many Bible verses in the book of Revelation and just going, what? Wow. And so there is this clear scriptural precedent that there will be an increasing amount of angels. All that buildup, letter A, there's going to be this increasing amount of angelic activity leading up to the second coming of Jesus. It's a fascinating study. And the, the book of Revelation describes these climactic events culminating in the second coming and beyond. But it gives us example after example of the ministry and role of angels in real time. As the book of Revelation is unfolding, which is this picture of the end of the age, we're seeing these angels involved directly in human life, which is, I mean, it's sprinkled throughout the Bible But in the book of Revelation, it's almost like every single page, there's some kind of angelic involvement. And so we see this this kind of this all-time high of angels actively involved. And another reason I want to mention this is because there's this precedent throughout Scripture in which prayer causes this angelic increase. And so we can go through the book of Revelation and go, okay, I see angels all over every page of the book of Revelation, way more than in any other book in the Bible. Therefore, there must be this increase of prayer happening because like we see in Daniel 10, 12, the angel that came to visit Daniel said, Daniel, I came because of your words. I came because you prayed. In Acts 12, we see there was this all-night prayer meeting for Peter And in the next verse, the angel comes and brings Peter out of jail. Revelation 5 talks about this outpouring of the bowls of prayer. And right after that, we just see a multitude of angels worshiping. There's this biblical principle where there's increase of prayer, there's increase of angels aiding and ministering in human affairs. And so it would make sense that at the end of the age where there's this all-time high in prayer and worship happening on earth, that there would be this increased angelic activity going on. Again, the closer we get to that hour, it's like the veil between heaven and earth is going to thin, and it's going to be like there's this almost, almost like a frequent flyer kind of thing happening. Now, as we've seen, angels have been involved in people's lives from as early as Genesis. Or if, you know, we're being technical, the book of Job. 
because the Satan is a fallen angel. We see him show up in Job. Job is technically the oldest book in the Bible, but it's just not arranged chronologically. It's, it's arranged how the arrangers of the Bible see fit. And so we see this uh, from day one. We see angels involved. And then when we get to the New Testament, there's this marked involvement of angels. We see when Jesus is born, angels are involved. When the church is born, we see angels are involved. But when the church age begins to reach its consummation, when the, when the church age is about to reach its climactic end before Jesus comes back, we see angels on every page of that story. So it's again, we're kind of getting to this prayers increasing, angels involved in people's lives increasing, and I think it's worth noting because the Bible notes it. We see angels that are involved in Revelation 8 and 9 and 16. They're involved releasing these trumpet judgments, releasing these bulls of wrath. And so there's just this crazy amount of involvement. Now, I don't know if we're going to see all of them. Some of them we will, maybe not all of them, but it's there. Now, letter C, this is my closing exhortation. We've talked about this for five weeks. We need to be ready for this. And what I mean by that is we need to have a theological grid, a theological grid for angels actually doing what the Bible says they will do, which is minister to people, appear to people, appear in dreams, give revelation on the Bible. And there's so many things that they do. We need to have a grid because I might experience something like that. You might, your spouse might, your friend might, your kids might. And we need to be able to have this this grid. And there may be families that experience it more than others. We need a grid that expects this to happen because it's in the Bible. Again, I approach the Bible with a childlike wonder. If it's there, I believe it. If it's not, we leave it alone. But if angels are appearing to people all through Bible history and church history, when angels are showing up in battles like World War I and the Civil War, when angels are showing up in missionary bases, when this is happening, I'm in. Again, there's fakes, and there's counterfeits, and there's the demonic angel appearing as an angel of light, but it was really a demon. So we have to be schooled on this, and we have to know there will be a counterfeit, but the reason there's a counterfeit is because there's something real, and we need to receive the real. We don't throw away our money because there's counterfeit money out there somewhere. makes no sense to do that. But many Christians, they go, well, the, the devil could do this. Well, no, the, but God has the real thing. And so we really need to receive the, the genuine and keep the counterfeit at bay.
What if Daniel, this is my closing question, what if Daniel, who saw an angel, what if he didn't believe in angels? What if Joseph, Jesus' earthly father, what if Peter or John or anybody from the stories I've been sharing, what if none of them believed in angels? I want to be a believer, and I want to see all that God has for me, and I want him to see all that God has for you. So that's our concluding message. That's Angels Part 5. This will be on Facebook when we're done. This will be on the website on Monday if you want to give it a re-listen because there's a few tech glitches there. I want to thank those who've tuned in throughout the last 45 minutes. Caleb and Noah, I'm going to have you come up and I'm going to have you say a prayer because I think we've got a couple. We've got Mandy, we've got Jake right now. So we're going to say a few prayers. Look at these buddies coming up here. They've been just goofing off hard during Dad's message. All right, why don't you uh, say a prayer for Mama and Jake? Uh, he tuned in. And, um, and then whatever else is on your heart. Jesus, I pray in the name of God that we will all have a good night tonight and that Jake would be um, doing really well in the military and that he wouldn't get hurt. And I pray that mom will have a really good night tonight and Zeke will be okay and that we will all have a good day today. In the name of God, amen. And also make the coronavirus go away so we can go to the swimming pool, maybe. Yes. Jesus, I pray in the name of God that um, Jake would do super good in the military, and I pray that um, you'd end the coronavirus, Lord, and I pray in the name of God that we'd all have a really good night tonight in the name of God, amen. Yes, Lord, we do pray that your angels would come and just move throughout our city tonight. Lord, we're asking as it was in when Peter was broken out of jail by an angel, Lord, as it, as it was many times throughout the, the Old and New Testament, Lord, send forth your angelic hosts and minister to your people and deliver them from dark fallen angels, the devils. Lord, we pray over our city tonight. And we pray your blessing. We pr- pray, Lord, for all the cities that are experiencing rioting and where the enemy has sown discord. Lord, we're asking for your love and your peace to flow like a river in the name of Jesus. And we're praying that you'd send your mighty angels, Father. Send forth your ministering hosts. Send forth uh, your warring angels, God, in the name of Jesus. And we pray, O God, that you would pour out your peace. Have mercy on our nation tonight in the mighty name of Jesus Amen, amen. Okay, we're going to log out, and then next week, praise the Lord, we'll have some people in here. You, you, can you be my armrest? Can you do that? Can you be my armrest right there? <laughs> All right, Mandy and Jake, I think you're still with us. Peace and blessings, and may the Lord just touch you right now, and we'll see you next time. All right, Noah's going to sign us off. Press that button. Peace. See ya. Adios, press it. He keeps missing it.